Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. says in in verse 14 and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about and he taught in the synagogues being glory glorified of all and he came to Nazareth this is where he was born in a little burg called Nazareth in Bethlehem where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah's, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, and set at liberty, everyone say liberty, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He came to do all those things, mend the brokenhearted, heal and deliver, preach deliverance, recover sight of the blind, and set at liberty anyone that needed it. I'm grateful for a hero in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask you to touch this word. We ask you to anoint it. We ask you to help us to remember you. You said when you broke the bread and gave the cup, Lord God, you said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my life broken. Remember my body broken. Remember my my blood poured out on the cross that you would have the perfect sacrifice to cover sin. Thank you, God, for such a great sacrifice. And we ask you to help us in Jesus' name as we celebrate you today. Our greatest memorial is to you, Lord God. Our greatest memorial is to you and what you do. Thank you so much, Lord. We ask it and we ask you to anoint this word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We do not have to survey the landscape of today's troubles world long to see that the world is broken. Amen. We live in a broken world with broken problems and pains and suffering and those things show up in people's lives and consequences and struggles. It's not too long that we have to look at the roadmap of history and see that it's stained red with wars of, over tyranny and tyrants. There's things and places where we have fought great battles. The French-Indian War is one of them that we lost 2,200 soldiers in. The Revolutionary War, 29,435 soldiers. The War of 1812, 20,000. Mexican-American War, 13,283. You just see that this is piling up of people that have given their life for freedom. The Civil War, 623,026. Spanish-American War, 2004. World War One was 116,708. World War II, 407,316. Korea, 36,914. Vietnam, 58,151. Desert Storm, 269. And Terrorism, 6,000. There is more than 1,316,000. 771 lives given for your freedom today. For you to sit here 
and have the opportunity to lift your hands and worship the God who you love, to have the freedom to choose what God you want to serve and how you live. That is purchased with blood, brothers and sisters. That's purchased by somebody who gave their all. And today, we remember our hero, amen? Today, we celebrate those that deserve to be memorialized, those that stood and fought our fight when we could not be there. We could not go. They went for us, and they gave the ultimate sacrifice. I'm thankful for every service man or woman. I'm thankful for everybody that puts themselves in harm's way so I can sleep at peace in my bed at night. And I'm thankful for those that stand in front of me so peace can stand behind them. Amen. I'm thankful for those that stand in front of me so that freedom can stand behind them. And Jesus did the very same thing for you and for I. He stood in front of us. He took our pain. He took our sorrows. It wasn't our thing. It wasn't our problem that we had to face it. He said, I'll take it on for you. I'll go to the cross for you. He was wounded, not for his transgressions, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Amen? Past tense. Healed. I'm grateful for a God who heals my body. I'm grateful for a God who works on things that I cannot work. I remember walking into little Hannah's room one time. Sarah and I were pastoring or assistant pastoring in, in Muskego. You may know where that sat nearby here. And little Hannah had a very serious temperature rise. She had a, a, quite a fever. And, and I just walked in there. And the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And they'll pray the prayer of faith. Faith is powerful. Amen. They'll pray the prayer of faith and the Lord shall raise, heal the sick and raise them up. And, I, and I'm thankful for that scripture because I really didn't know what I was doing too well. I was just a young minister, but I, I took oil in there like the scripture says to do. And I, and I anointed her head with oil. And, and as I put my hand on her head, it was so warm. And I just began to pray the prayer of faith, believing that God, if you died for us, and if our healing is truly past tense in you by faith, then I'm going to believe right now that you can take this fever away and you can heal this sickness or whatever whatever it is. We didn't even know. And as I laid my hand on her head, it was so warm. And I just began to pray. And before I said amen, her forehead went cold under my hand. Literally, God had changed her temperature. They took her temperature before, and it was over 102. They took her temperature after, and she was normal. I'm telling you, God can do great things if we believe in the power of his work on the cross. The reason he took stripes for us is so that we would be healed. If it, not, if it would not have been so, he would not have bore those stripes. I'm thankful for a God who purchased everything for me. Amen? Scripture tells us that he went out through all the land healing all manner of sickness, all manner of sickness. Thank God he did that because he was accomplishing something beautiful and powerful that in him was the ability to conquer every sin and disease. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Anybody happy about that? Things that we could not conquer, he conquered for us. He won for me, amen? He recovered us from the sharp, jagged inter interruption of our relationship with God. You see Adam in the garden with God. He's communing with God. He's in communion and in union with God. When God communicated, God would say something to Adam, and Adam understood it. 
When Adam would say something to God, God would understand. There was no miscommunication. There was no misperceptions. There was always clear communication. And there was no fear. There was no fear in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't until Adam disobeyed. Don't get it wrong. Some people preach wrong and they say Eve was the one that caused the world to fall. It was not Eve. Eve was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. Disobedience brought the curse into the earth, not the deception of Eve. It may have started there, but it ended with Adam. He was standing right there. And because he disobeyed, obeyed that is what brought sin into the world because the bible says when sin is conceived when lust is conceived it bringeth forth sin and when sin is finished it bringeth forth death and we know that death entered the world through sin because sin travel doesn't travel alone Sin always accompanies death. And so we find out that death entered the world at Adam's disobedience. And then that disobedience and that sin that came into the world, we see that now there is a law or a transaction that happened in disobedience that brought the, the law of sin and death into the world. And that disobedience is very important to understand because what Adam couldn't do, being called even in the scripture, the son of God, he wasn't the begotten son of God, but we, he was a son of God. He was the first son son of God. And so then whenever Jesus comes on the scene, he's the only begotten of God. And therefore, he is the perfect lamb sacrifice. And so in his obedience, he recovers what Adam did, what the, the curse that came into the world through Adam. He reverses it through his obedience to the cross. And, and that is beautiful to me because I wouldn't be able to do that, neither would you. Amen? Amen. And regardless of how we try to think that we can live up to some things we see in Scripture, I'm thankful that they're speaking of Jesus Christ and not me. I'm thankful that they're speaking of his life and not mine. Because when that transaction took place, there was more than just the law of sin and death being accomplished because Jesus brought the law of grace and truth into the world. And because of that, we now have amazing grace. We sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. The reason why it's so amazing is because God in his glory and in his holiness could have struck the world. He could have, he could have taken us out and been just in doing so because sin brought death into the world. But he didn't because of his great mercy. It is God's mercy that we are not consumed, scripture said. And so I'm grateful. He didn't have to love me, but he did. He didn't have to save me, but he did. He didn't have to recover me but he did and that for that reason I sing of his mercy I sing of his grace I know he's a loving God he's a powerful God he would rather have me saved than lost amen somebody so in that we see that God came down the same God that communed with man in the garden came down in flesh amen we see that God deals with our situation in kindness. He deals with it through grace. And even as we see him handling it so beautifully, I want you to know that God was able to live the perfect life and that's why we are able to put ourselves in Christ today. That if you put our book on this side and you put the book of the life of Jesus Christ on this side, his life was perfect. His life was holy. There was no temptation that he didn't conquer. But our book over on this side would be a whole lot bigger because it says not only is every sin and transaction in that book that we've lived throughout our life, but also in that book is every idle word we have ever said. And I don't know about you, but if, if you feel like you can live up to the, the things of the scripture, I would tell you that even one transgression removes us from the capability of living a perfect life. 
And we want to live a good life, amen? We talk about living the best life, living the blessed life. We were singing it a little bit earlier. We went to a little picnic yesterday, and my, my daughter had a shirt on that says, living the blessed life. The reason why she can wear that T-shirt, the reason why we can sing about those songs is because we're not celebrating our life. We're not celebrating the good things we've done. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the scripture says. So when we try to take our life and, and put it to scripture, we come up short. But when we look over into the Lamb's book of life, we, we take our name and we put it in the Lamb's book of life through repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and believing that God has truly recovered us through Jesus, we understand understand that we don't have to be accountable for all the things on judgment day when they open the book of our life and they open the lamb's book of life because our name is written in the lamb's book of life he's going to look at his perfect life and say i'm going to memorialize what he did perfect and put that and apply that to your life so our lifestyle and our changes and the things that we do in this earth yes they speak to jesus and yes we want to grow in him but no matter how hard we try we just end up walking away with dirtier hands hands in righteousness than we had before because we try to clean ourselves up and when and we get all cleaned up and we feel like we're doing it good and then all of a sudden self-righteousness raises up inside of us and then all of a sudden pride tries to come up no matter how we do it it seems to go wrong and it always seems to just add to the book of life transgressions but when you step over into Jesus Christ when we get our life buried in Christ Jesus the glory of God then begins to live in our life and we we have statements that we say where we're it's not my life. This life is not my own. To him I belong. We sing songs that talk about us being in Christ Jesus. And whenever we say that, we know that we've been saved and we can live our best life. We can live our best life. A man is not able to live a life without understanding that God seems to be a little bit scary at times. You, you, you talk to people, you ask them about God, and, and some people will just fold their arms and say, I don't, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with people because they're afraid. And that fear showed up in the garden because when God came walking in the cool of the day to speak to Adam, you see that Adam did not answer and he was afraid of God. First time ever, God who is loving, God did not change. God never changes. The Bible says that I am God and I change not. I know that God did not change, but something happened in the heart and the mind of Adam. The Bible actually tells us in Romans 128 that, that wickedness corrupts the mind and that the heart is far from God. We know this. In fact, the Bible tells us guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. That you have to be careful what your heart falls in love with and you have to be careful what you think of God because we can misperceive God and we can misunderstand God and we have history that shows religion after religion that's man-made that misunderstood God and misperceived God. But when you go back to the scriptures and you read about Jesus, Jesus said, look, I've come for one thing and that is that the spirit of the Lord would be upon me and that I would be able to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the, the saving of the poor and the, that I would be able able to uh, bring forth and heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bruised. He was able to do that. And why did Jesus choose this passage in scripture, this, this passage of Isaiah in chapter 61 in verse one, you see it 
so readily that there's so many places of prophecy. He could, he could have picked any place, but he chose to choose this passage. And, and if you read Isaiah's scripture, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings. He actually says good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to, conf to comfort all those that mourn. He was actually coming to heal, to save, and to deliver. He did not come to judge us. He did not come to beat us with a big ugly stick. <laughs> Some people believe God's just up there waiting to fry somebody, just ready to zap them when they do wrong. You have to understand that while we fall short of the glory of God, when you put yourself in Christ Jesus in baptism, when you put his name on your life, all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry, and immediately God covers you under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Immediately his blood covers you, and God cannot see through that blood. God cannot see through the, the thing, to the things that you have done or have been because you don't have to fear him any longer in those moments because when you put it in Jesus Christ, it's forever gone to God. It's justified. It's a scripture word that says it's justified. Justified, never done it. That's what it means. It means it's like it's never been there. And so when you get up in the morning, you see God's mercies are new. And you can put a smile on your face. You can go about your day knowing that before there ever was an opportunity for us to sin, God had built a plan to recover us from that sin. In other words, God in the scripture tells us in Revelation that there was a lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. What does that really mean? Because I, I, I didn't quite understand that when I was younger. Like, What did that mean? That meant that Jesus in his plan, or God in his plan saw Jesus slain from the foundation of the earth. He saw the cross before he spoke light. He saw everything being redeemed. And why would God do this? Why, why does God need a backup plan? Why wouldn't he just make it possible that we could never sin? Because we are created in the image of God and in his likeness. And in order for us to be free people, as God is free, God is not bound by anything. He's not fettered to anything. He does not have any chains. In order for us to be created in his image, we had to be created as free will individuals. But even though he gave us free will, he knew that we had the opportunity to choose wrong. And so therefore, before he gave us free will, before he created us in his own image, he went backwards in, into eternity and saw a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. The death, the birth, or the birth, the life, the death, and the burial of Jesus Christ was at the beginning before anything was ever created. And then God went forward and said, you know what? I realize that man's mind will be corrupted if they choose to fall in sin. I feel the Holy Ghost helping me right now. I hope I'm speaking to somebody, but hear me carefully because you're gonna love this point because God speaks to us when we can't even listen. God speaks to us when we won't even hear him. God speaks to us when our sin has us so buried he will come and speak to us through creation. He'll come and speak to us through a word of a plant growing up out of the ground. The reason why there's a testimony in the earth of God's gospel and every living thing is because he built the earth in mind from the, gener from the, from the beginning of the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. So in the seed, he put life, burial, death, and all of those things. And in, and in scripture, you see it so clearly. 
that he puts it in everything. He puts the message of his freedom for us to memorialize the greatest hero that ever came. He died for us. He had a plan before man. And in that plan, he created something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. The enemy couldn't steal what God put in us. The enemy couldn't steal what God gave us. No fear could take it away. No separation from God could take it away because he put it in creation so that we would stumble into the power of God's gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection. You see it, birth, life, death, burial. Birth, life, death, burial. You see it in everything. It started in the beginning and God created it. Do you have Bible for that, Pastor? Sure I do. John 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. That word right there is logos, logic, the plan of God. In the beginning was the plan of God and the plan of God was with God and it was God and the same was in the beginning with God verse 3 and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made that's speaking of Jesus Christ isn't it look at verse 4 in him was life oh wait a minute what life are we talking about that life that we, we get to be put into, that perfect life of Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's talking about the life of Jesus. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was one sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light in other words he was not it but jesus was that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not he came unto his own and his own received him not how tragic but just because we didn't receive him doesn't mean he stopped speaking because he put it in the day and he put it in the night and he put it in the tree and he put it in the bird and he put it in everything in creation so that when we look at it we would see the testimony of Jesus Christ but as many as received him to them gave he power that's exousia the same power that speaks in John where Jesus said you don't you don't crucify me I lay myself down and I have the power to raise myself back up I have the exousia inside me Greek word to raise myself back up Jesus said as many as receive him he's going to give them exousia the power to have will over sin the power to conquer things the power to become the sons of God he's going to give you that power and the power he's talking about is the power of the Holy Ghost even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of men but of God were born of God through the power of the Spirit and the word was made flesh here it is Jesus was made the plan the Logos Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace there it is and truth grace and truth replaced the sin and the, the law of death 
the sin and death in the earth. When Jesus came and died, now we live in grace. Now truth is in our members. Now we can open the word of God and find truth. We can live by that truth. The spirit of God in us is the spirit of truth. And it will lead and guide us into all truth, the spirit said. So I'm grateful for his grace that saved me and his truth that keeps me. Amen, somebody. I'm grateful for both. And so we see it in scripture that God gave us a free will, but he set up the plan ahead of time so that our freedom wouldn't be taken away, but that we would be able to walk back into his presence. Did you know that when Moses called the people of Israel and said, come up to the mountain, come up to the they were all invited. Did you know that? It wasn't just Moses that was supposed to go up the mountain and get the tablets of stone. They were all invited to go back into a relationship with God. In fact, I, I posit to you that it's possible that the tabernacle in the wilderness may not, have been, may not have been needed if they would have all gone up that mountain together. But because they were afraid, there's fear. And because they were scared, they looked at the mountain that burned with darkness and smoke and tempest. And they were afraid. And they said, no, no, Moses, you go up for us. We're too afraid to go up. We have fear in our hearts. That was not of God. God did not create fear. God did not create death. He said, I want you to come up the mountain with me. I want to get back to communion and union with you as fast as possible. I don't want 40 years in the wilderness of tabernacle, of symbol signs, spoken shadows, things that you have to go through and learn of me and move, remove Egypt out of you so that I can put me back in you. He said, I don't want you to have to go through those things. I don't want you to have to go through the pain and suffering of 40 years and those that would not believe and die in the wilderness. I don't want that for you. I want you in communion with me. And so instantly they said, no, we, we were too afraid. And so now you see the walkout of God's love and his mercy and his kindness and his compassion constantly reaching for man. While man walked away, he would reach for them and they'd come back and they'd walk away and he'd reach for them and come back because he's a, he's a loving and a saving God. He's a loving and a saving God, and he wants to make you whole, amen? So what they didn't understand was though it was fearful and scary, and I don't want anything to do with God or the church or the people of God, if they would have walked into it, their perspectives would have changed, and they would have seen he's still a loving God. He's still a holy God. He still cares for you. He still wants the best for you, and the best for you was in Christ Jesus. And so he was trying to make a way for them. But they didn't step in. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Amen? He didn't have to, but he did. I'm thankful he found this little boy in a bad home situation, in a, in a bad place, and he took me, and he just kind of took me through life. And everything that I had to take out of my life, it was always because he was giving me something better. It was always because I was laying something down so that I could have something better in my life. You can see that he put that everywhere. He put that everywhere in, in my life. He's put it, if you look back over your life, you'll see the message of the lamb where he, he took things. Maybe he brought things out of your life. Maybe he put things into your life that led you to him, to his perfect sacrifice and to his life that set you free. Amen? The birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection. And God knew when we wouldn't be able to hear him. God knew when we wouldn't listen. So he put it in the sunrise. You can notice it. You, you yourself, get up early tomorrow morning um, and watch the sun come up. Well, get a good night's sleep first and then get up early. Watch the sun come up. And that speaks to the birth of the lamb. 
and and you you will enjoy the beauty of the rays of the sunlight coming in and you will you will feel the beauty of that and you you may not feel the beauty of it right away you might need some caffeine first but then you'll really celebrate the sunrise go to starbucks first then go back home and watch the sunrise but then as the sunrise it speaks to the birth of the lamb and as the sun shines through the day it speaks of the life of the lamb and then as the darkness sets on the earth, as the sun goes down, it speaks to the death of the lamb. And then that sun will stay down until it comes up the next morning, which speaks of the burial of the lamb put in the tomb, buried in the ground. But then when the sun comes up the next morning, don't worry, weeping may endure for a night, scripture said, but joy comes in the morning. The sun's going to come back up again. In other words, sun and, and the moon and the stars have a message. They speak of Jesus Christ. They speak of the Lord that saved us. And so when we talk about the things of God and we talk about creation and we talk about all the things that God is, we're just remembering our hero. We're just remembering the one who saved us. Jesus even came after the Pharisees and he said, search the scriptures to people who had more Bible memorized than you and I ever will. He said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. That didn't mean that the scriptures don't give eternal life. That means he says, you think you have eternal life in the scriptures. He said, but those speak of me. Everything in that book speaks of our hero, Jesus Christ. And he was saying, get out of your mindset of, re of learning the Pentateuch and memorizing the first four books of the Bible and memorizing other scripture writings and realize that all of them in the Old Testament pointed to me in the New Testament and the life I would bring and the hope I would bring and the joy that I would give you. All of that speaks to me, speaks of me. Psalms 19, 2 says, day after day utter speech and night unto night they reveal knowledge. What are they saying? Their message is to us that Jesus is Lord, that there is a God coming to save us. He encoded it in the message of creation so when we wouldn't hear him in our fear and we wouldn't hear him in our disgrace, he could still speak grace and he could still speak truth to us. And he says it in Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from creation of the world are are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse in other words he said doesn't matter who you are you're going to see it in my creation those things speak of me and he continues on and says I'm going to put it in the seed you're going to sow it does anybody believe that the seed can bring forth you can bury a seed in the ground and bring forth a tree that's a miracle how can you not believe in God and not believe that? There's no engineer under the dirt working that seed. You put a seed in the ground, you put water on it, it comes up and springs forth. It speaks of Jesus, amen? He said, he shall grow up before them as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, the scripture says. It's speaking of Jesus. The prophet said it. In the body, you know it. You get a, like I said, get up early, look at the sunrise, and then watch, watch yourself go throughout the day, do your day, and do whatever God has called you to do throughout your day. But when you get close to evening and the sun goes down, guess what? That sleep starts to come over you, and you feel like you need to go take a nap. Amen, somebody? Those of you that your worldview just stops at 9 p.m., you're like, I'm going to bed. 
that's becoming me. I don't know why. I think after 40, I just started going to bed at 9 p.m. in my mind. It just like everything shuts off. But go to sleep, and, and, and that speaks to the death of the lamb, the, the laying down and, and stay buried in that sleep until the sun comes up the next morning, and your body will respond to that sun coming up in the morning, and you will wake up, and just like the lamb got up out of the tomb, your body will be rejuvenated and revived in Jesus' name. I believe it, yes. Amen. Amen. It speaks to Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 8, 3 through 6, he said, when I considered the heavens... And the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. That's an interesting word, ordained. We use that for preachers. We ordain preachers that preach the gospel. He said the moon, the stars, and the sun, they're ordained to preach a message. That message message is of our hero, Jesus Christ. And it speaks to us. They have a message, all of them. And they speak to them. And so he asked the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou art, that has, that you visited him. He asked the question that every man eventually will ask, what is the purpose of my life? And why does God care about me? If he made all of this, why did he do it? He made it for you. He made it so that one day your mind and your heart would acquiesce to the beautiful rendition and the amazing orchestra of his grace and his truth and his mercy in your life. That you would somewhere find a place where you laid down all your guards and you pulled down all your walls and you said, I'm not gonna fold my arms in his presence anymore. I'm not gonna stiff arm him and say, no, I'm just gonna live life because I just can't get it good enough to really do it right. I have all these rules. It seems like just a book of things that I have to try to live up to. No, he's saying, don't worry about those things. Just come to me, break down and be willing for me to work with you and to love you and to put my blood over you and to cover you in my sacrifice and in doing so it's not your life that you are going to celebrate but now from now on you're going to memorialize my life the life I lived on this earth because his death would have meant nothing had his life not been perfect do you realize that the cross would have meant nothing it would have just been another Roman crucifixion if he had not lived perfect going to that cross but because he lived perfect we can live in his perfection. We don't have to be perfect. Pressure's off. You can take a break. You don't have to be perfect because we have his grace. Amen? And so he speaks so many places in scripture of how he did it right. His obedience for our disobedience. His merit gave us unmerited favor. Everything he did right recovered everything we did wrong. His obedience purchased us back from Adam's disobedience. And when his blood ran down the cross and touched the earth, it removed the curse. It reversed the curse of sin and death. How many know that we were created from the dust of the ground? He formed us. And so whenever his blood touches our earth, us, it removes the curse, amen? He takes us back to communion and union with him. And now we stand redeemed and whole and complete in who? In him. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to do it all right. Because when I stand before the Lord, he'll open the big, massive book of all my transgressions. And he'll open the Lamb's book of life. And he'll go, I see see, see there's a book there. I don't see what's in it. Because for some reason, your your name is written over here in the Lamb's book of life. 
Leviticus, let me finish with this. You, we'll stand in just a second. In Leviticus, it tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. If they would have known that early medical practices, they probably wouldn't have done a lot of the things they did because they tried to do bloodletting to get people to feel better. You're removing the life of the flesh, hello, while trying to make them feel better. But there's a deeper meaning in that scripture. The deeper meaning is that everything that that animal or that thing had eaten, when he said, don't eat the blood of the flesh, he's saying whatever that animal ate, you would have never eat it. You would never consume that. But whatever that animal was in contact with, whatever disease that animal had, whatever that animal ate, it shows up in its bloodstream. The blood is the record of life. Go ahead and preach with me if you want. <laughs> so the blood is the record of life. So he said, do not eat the blood of animals because in that blood is parasites and bacteria. They didn't have a microscope. They didn't have the ability to do microanalyzation of any kind of microorganisms. They had none of that. But God knew. This is the Old Testament right here. God knew. So he said, don't eat the blood because in the blood is the record of life. And so that's why when we talk about applying the blood of Jesus to our life, we're applying his record of life to our life. Amen? Not our record of life. Our record is no good, but his record was perfect. So when we talk about being baptized in Jesus' name and being buried with Christ, what are we talking about? We're talking about taking on the life of Jesus. We're talking about putting his blood to cover our sins. And in that blood is life. Amen, somebody. And in that blood is some other things. Because when he walked the earth, he was moved with compassion. And the Bible says that he healed all manner of sickness. He didn't just do it because he had compassion on the people. He did it because he has compassion on you. Now, 2000, over 2,000 years later, so he accomplished what we couldn't. He conquered lying and lust and envy and hatred and greed and fornication and adultery and stealing. He conquered leukemia and cancer and diabetes and high blood pressure and every sin and every curse and every sickness is recorded in his bloodstream. And so when we take on the blood of Jesus Christ, people are like, why do you guys talk about the blood so much? Y'all dance around and get excited about the blood. That's kind of gross. It's because his blood brought life. And so because we have the curse passed down through man, and because I don't want to be too graphic, but when the egg meets the sperm, the first thing created is a blood cell. And so when you have the curse passed through man, we needed a man that came to earth that wasn't from that cursed line. And so whenever you have the, the, the assembly line of people coming through, the, the, the body comes forward and, and death looks at it and says, yep, there's sin in it. I have jurisdiction over that body. I, they can be dead because sin brings death. And he passes on. Here comes another person. Yep, there was sin in that body. Yep, they can be dead. I have jurisdiction. There's death. That's the, that's the, the, the wages of sin is death. And, and then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And he gets there. And, Wait a minute. There's no sin in him. Death has no jurisdiction over him. So he can only stay in the grave three days. Because when death goes, no, no, I'm going to hang on to the body of Jesus. And the grave says, oh, hold on a second. We don't have jurisdiction over Jesus because he never had any sin in him. His bloodstream is pure. He is holy. He is righteous. And so death had to let him go. And he got up out of that grave. And you and I celebrate the greatest hero of all time. We don't just put flags out and say thank you. But he put out 
the, the flames of eternal damnation for us through his blood. I'm thankful for God, amen? I'm trying to wrap up. I didn't mean to be this long. God bless you for listening. I hope this is blessing you, but I want to tell you a story about a blind preacher. You can stand with me. I'll be short. There was a man by the name of John Redfuller. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't. He was known as the strongest man ever in a penitentiary. He, he met my friend as a pastor in Cleveland, and he lifted 514 pounds, just bench-pressed it. And he goes, I'm sorry, I am really weak, I have the flu. He was apologizing, Scott, he was apologizing for 514 pound bench press because he had the flu. I mean, the stuff that, that stories are written of was written about him and there was an old blind preacher. How many know that God wants to set the captives free? How many of you are thankful for blind preachers that don't judge people on the outside the way they look but believe that God can save them from the inside out, Amen. This old blind preacher came in and he preached the message and John Red Fuller was, he was demon possessed. I mean, he was, he was the executioner of the jail. If he wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Everybody was afraid of him. And so in Brushew Mountain Prison, they were very cautious what they said around John Red Fuller. And this old blind preacher would preach the gospel message and then he would say to the warden, he said, take me to the cell of John Red Fuller. And he would take him down there and he put his hands on the bars and he said, John Red Fuller, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And John Red Fuller would cuss him out. Get out of here, blind preacher. I don't want nothing to do with your God. But every Sunday afternoon after service, that blind preacher, as old as he was, he was in his 80s, he would say, Warden, take me to John Red Fuller. This happened again and again and again. And John Red Fuller just got worse and worse. He just got more belligerent. But one day, that prophecy from that man of God started working on the heart of John Red Fuller. A murderer, a vicious, unkind, hateful man, wounded by life and hurting others. He woke up one Sunday morning and said, I'm going to go to that meeting. And John Red, he was called Red because he killed so many people. Fuller walked into that little meeting room with that blind preacher holding onto the pulpit. And at the end of the service, he came down and he lifted his hands and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he got baptized in Jesus' name. And God recovered John Red Fuller. And the preacher, blind preacher, was sitting afterwards and he said, get John, bring him up here. And John sat down next to him and he reached over next to him and he pulled up a Bible box. And he opened the Bible box and he pulled out a Bible and it had inscribed on the, on the Bible, it said, Reverend John Fuller. And he said, God wants you to preach the gospel and he handed it to him. John Red Fuller is the only individual that the Tennessee United Pentecostal Board has ever gone to prison to ordain. That old blind preacher passed away and John Fuller took his place. He won more people in a penitentiary than anyone known to this date. Maybe they were afraid of him. They just had to come to God because they were afraid. <laughs> I don't know. But God did such a work on him that they expunged his record 
and released him from prison. And he went on to be one of the most amazing evangelists preaching all across this country because a little blind blind preacher got up and said, I don't care what your life looks like. I got a perfect life if you want to get in it. I've got a bloodline that's better than yours. I've I've got something that's beautiful. It's called being in Christ, the hope of glory. I've got something for you that's way more beautiful than what you've ever believed or seen. And I'm thankful that we have a memorial today to a hero that can recover the worst of the worst. His arm is not short. He is always able. And because of that, the Bible says that someday every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee is going to bow in worship. Even in Revelation, it says, even those that don't have their name written in the Lamb Book of, Lamb's Book of Life, they will still bow their knee as well. So I want to bow my knee now. I want to be the one that says, God, I can't do it all right, but you did, and I celebrate you, and I bow my knee to your glory. Would you bow your head right now as an act of prayer? Would you just ask the Lord, I've just worshiped my way through this sermon, and And I want you to just know that God has the best life for you. He's got a better life than anything you could build or construct or architect. He's the God of all glory. And I want to open this altar to somebody that wants to come. Maybe you feel like you've just written too many chapters of hurt and pain. Or maybe there's been things that have happened to you. And you just want to lay that book aside and take on the book of the Lord. Maybe you just want to put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life today. Maybe you want to stand in His presence and thank Him that your name is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe there's an altar call for somebody here right now. If you're not comfortable with that, there's fellowship out there. But let's just make this a prayer room right now. Let's memorialize the greatest hero that saved us all from sin. Thank you, Jesus. I needed you. I needed you, Lord. I couldn't do it on my own. I thank you, Lord, for being the one that I bowed before, the one who had the perfect life. And I'm thankful that I can stand covered by your perfect sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. We praise you today. And we remember our hero today. In Jesus' name.